it's just built into us like from society to think that you know you you grow up you go to school you leave school you get a job you get a house you get a husband you have a baby you have a family you know and then suddenly when that puzzle piece doesn't quite fit everything just sort of feels completely I guess you kind of feel a bit out of control because suddenly I just was like oh my god I don't know what I'm doing with my life this business that I'd built around maybe having a family one day doesn't now fit like do I want to do this anymore And welcome back to Pear Shaped, a podcast aimed to encourage and inspire millennial women to be their most authentic self and discover what's possible when you embrace when things go pear shaped. Zoe Cornwell is a makeup artist and the founder of Not Your Average Bride. She's a ray of sunshine and her can do attitude has seen her work with some amazing brands and beautiful brides. She joins Pear Shape today to discuss following your passion as well as sharing her story on fertility struggles and keeping positive. Welcome Zoe. Hello. Hello. Thanks so much How for having you? me. Thank you for joining us. Honestly, it's uh, like I'm really pleased. I'm so, yeah, I'm just so happy that you're here. I feel um, like we're just going to yeah. have a lovely girly catch up. I'm just I, pumped. Same. I feel like I should have a gin, but instead I've got a hot lemon water. So Lovely. I mean, it is it is early in the week that we're recording, so you know. So I start every podcast episode with asking the guest um, what their pear shaped moment is. So I'm going to kick start with that. What is your pear shaped moment, and how has it got you here now? I mean, goodness, I think I've had quite a few pear shaped moments um, yeah, <laughs> in my all? 31 years. <laughs> Uh, but I feel like, as you know, from following my fertility journey, I would say the biggest pear-shaped moment for me was the fertility curveball. Um, I, I'm sure we'll go into that a little bit later, but um, when I got kind of in, I guess, in the thick of the fertility struggles, my life just got turned completely upside down. I wasn't sure of my place in the world, and suddenly the business that I'd given so much to over you know my 10 years of being in the business suddenly seemed pointless um Mm -hmm. you know everything seemed pointless because it's just built into us like from society to think that you know you you grow up you go to school you leave school you get a job you get a house you get a husband you have a baby you have a family you know and then suddenly when that puzzle piece doesn't quite fit everything just sort of feels completely I guess you kind of feel a bit out of control because suddenly I just was like oh my god I don't know what I'm doing with my life this business that I'd built around maybe having a family one day doesn't now fit like do I want to do this anymore um but I think with everything with every contrast with every pear-shaped moment shall we say I think it teaches you so much and I think sometimes we really need to be shaken up a little bit um the experience that I've gone through so far has honestly helped me to grow so much as a person. It's helped me to grow as a business owner um, and it's made me re- reanalyze everything and reassess my life, but um, I guess in a, in a more positive way. So out of the darkness comes something actually quite positive. So yeah, I mean, that that was pear-shaped for me. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, I mean, that's quite a pear-shaped moment. It's a big, it's a big moment. And like you said, you expect this process to happen and it all just like works and, you know, you just are on your little journey and, you know, it's all meant to work out. And when something does happen like that, it can completely derail you and you've chosen to go down, you've tried to keep the train on the track rather than let it derail you, which I think is so nice to see um we are going to get into that later but I thought we will start with kind of your journey and your your process of getting to where you are now um you're a makeup artist specializing in bridal makeup what made you even go down that route in the first place because you started in fashion and you know how come you've ended up here well I guess so it all started because I actually really wanted to be an actress <laughs> believe it or not can you tell <laughs> you tell it's got a drama background but I really wanted to be an actress and presenter and then 
when I tried to get into that industry, I found it really difficult. I felt really self-conscious. Um, it didn't feel right. It didn't, it, I thought it was going to feel right. In the end, it didn't. I was having my makeup done for commercials and it made me start to think like, hmm, maybe I can still use my creativity and come at this industry from a different angle. And that's when I started assisting other hair and makeup artists. I um, did a course and I got into the fashion and commercial world and absolutely loved it. Um, and then obviously as time went on, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier in terms of, I'm gonna start thinking about my life and the bigger picture. Uh, my husband and I moved back to Essex. We were living in London uh, for a few years and we decided that we would buy, get on the property ladder, tick all those boxes. Um, we moved back to Essex and I thought, you know what? This would be a really good time for me to explore the bridal industry because then I can do hair and makeup. Um, I can work to my own schedule so I haven't got to work to someone else's schedule. Um, I can plan my business around my lifestyle, what I want. I can work on weekends. So if we did happen to have a family, I can still work. And, you know, it just, it kind of made sense. And... The difficulty that I had, actually, you could say another pear-shaped moment, was when I moved back to Essex. I wanted to get into bridal hair and makeup, but I have a fashion and commercial background. So that's all about natural makeup, no makeup makeup. Um, and without sounding rude, I mean, I am from Essex, so I feel like I can sort of stereotype. Um, you know, natural isn't in the vocabulary here, or it certainly wasn't five to ten years ago. Um, it was very much about really glamorous makeup, uh, really polished hairstyles, and I'm just not like that as a person, and my work isn't like that either. Um, so it was a bit of a difficult time trying to figure out my place in the bridal industry, and then I just decided, you know what, this doesn't feel authentic to me, creating these really glamorous looks, um, just doing a cardboard copy, hair and makeup for the bridal industry just felt so, uh, I guess, like not genuine and just mm -hmm. no passion behind it at all that I decided to be like, right, if I like natural hair and makeup with, you know, more of a modern edge, I don't want crispy ringlets, I don't want heavy skin, heavily contoured face or overline lips or big lashes I wouldn't wear that and there must be other brides in this area in this county that feel the same way and so I decided to tap into that market into that niche and be like you know what if you are looking for natural makeup and I mean natural I mean skin that feels fresh lightweight I can still see the texture of your skin your face can still move your hair is free-flowing it's organic it's movable if you like that then I'm going to be the perfect hair and makeup artist for you and not your average bride I just want to say as well not your average bride is with a k so many people type yeah. in not with an n and then they're like who the hell is this it was it was meant to be a pun okay like a wedding knot but I feel like that just went over people's heads but it is not your average bride with an with a k <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I tapped into that market and it grew quite quickly. I was booked out, um, and things were going really, really well. And, you know, I, I loved it. And then I guess a few years into that business, the fertility struggles come up and suddenly my job become quite difficult. I had clients that were having their children, were moving on to their second ch child. And, you know, I was dealing with brides that were asking me when I was going to have children. And it would become a bit of an awkward thing about me being like, um, hopefully soon, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, I'm working on it. I'm working on yeah. it, Susan, stop asking me. Um, <laughs> and that's when I decided, again, just to be authentic and just open up about where I was at. Um, I felt like, you know, when you're working in the bridal industry, especially as a hair and makeup artist, you are working with people on such a personal level. You get to know your clients so, so well. But I felt like they didn't know me because I felt like I couldn't open up because there was this shame around fertility issues, especially as a woman. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I would just talk about my journey and open up and tell my clients that this was what was happening and 
Um, and actually, it was the best thing I could have done because I connected with my clients on a more personal level. Um, they were way more understanding. It took some pressure off of me. I was able to give a more authentic service. And actually, you know, it, it ended up being one of the best things that I did in terms of just being open and honest and um, I guess sharing that human experience and the amount of people that I've had come back to me since opening up about that journey has been remarkable because it's natural when you're working in the wedding industry as a hair and makeup artist that probably at some point, you know, 70% of those couples are going to want to go on to have a family of their own and one in eight people have fertility issues so you know at least one of those clients is going to have the same issues that I've gone through and I almost opened up a space where they could talk to me about it and confide in me and learn more about fertility issues and you know a lot of people would question like why I essentially opened up about that on a platform that was for hair and makeup artists was it going to make people feel awkward Maybe, but I'm an oversharer anyway, so they're probably going to hear about it when I'm talking to them doing their hair and makeup, so why not just, you know, get rid of the shame and guilt around this subject and just talk about it and open up the conversation, and I felt like I was able to give a much better hair and makeup service to my clients because they felt like they knew me and understood me, and I guess from me opening up to them, they could open up to me, and it was like a two-way I've developed some amazing, I've created some amazing friendships out of my business just from simply opening up and being authentic. And um, yeah, so I guess it was a worry that this this pear-shaped moment came up for me when my business was doing so well. Um, At times I wanted to take a step back and say, can I do this? I'm trying to run a business and I need to be really happy and physically able to do my job whilst going through IVF. Those two things were really hard to balance. Um, But when I opened up about it, I was actually able to do my job much better. Um, So yeah, that's kind of, that's my journey so far. We should, you know, that's where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. I guess it also means that your clients can be sensitive, whereas if they don't know, they they would ask those questions. I'm not saying those questions are right, but it just comes up. We're all just trying to connect with one another. And, you know, small talk often involves the question of, are you getting married? How long have you been married? Are you, have you got children? It's just part of the conversation. And it doesn't mean that clients don't ask me that. And, then I, and I wouldn't be offended if they did. But most of the clients that book me, they... they they know me already because of the way that I show up on social media. And so they actually want to open up the conversation because they're yeah. worried that maybe they'll face something like that. Or maybe someone in their bridal party has experienced that or is going through that. And then, you know, they've connected with me after the wedding and and confided in me. So I feel like I offer really personal service as a hair and makeup artist. It's just you're working with someone on their most personal magical day of their lives you know one of the most magical days of their lives and you're going to get to know your clients so they can get to know me as well and and I just feel like it's just created this amazing connection with my clients so um you know it's a lot easier now I, I kind of took a step back from going through fertility treatments and I've been able to focus on my business a lot more and it's actually been a bit of a saving grace for me because you know that nurturing energy was lost when I didn't think I could be a a mum. I didn't know where to put that energy. And now I've kind of, I guess, had some time to get back in alignment with what's important. I can then reuse that nurturing energy and give it all to my clients. So, you know, it's it's all working out. Everything always works out as it should. And um, yeah, I feel in a much better space about it now, now that I can be open and... um, and redirect my focus to to other important parts of my life, which, you know, my business is my baby. And um, yeah. that's become even more apparent, apparent since I can't have children at the moment. So, yeah. you know, that's just where, where we're at at the moment. Um, you've already touched on it, actually, um, about like, yeah, showing up when you don't really want to, really. you do, I guess when you're going through that treatment or, you know, the struggles you just probably want to bury your head in the sand and just like hide and have a duvet day. And uh, particularly with weddings, there's so much happiness. Like, I don't know anyone that doesn't enjoy a wedding. Like, if you don't, I just think, 
okay, there's something wrong with you. But um, how do you deal with it when you're not up for it? How did you show up? I think um, the, the funny thing is with wedding days, it is such, I fed off their energy. They were mm. so happy, so excited. And sometimes putting on a brave face is the best thing that you can do for your mental health because you can almost trick yourself into just forgetting all the rubbish that's going on in your own life because you're so invested in your clients and you're so invested in your business and you're you're just you're quite reactive to their energy and for me it wasn't actually that difficult the physical aspects of the fertility journey so I've had several operations and when you're going through IVF you are pumped full of drugs and you know it's it can be quite taxing on the body but I was lucky enough that I could plan my fertility treatments around my work so I would often do them in winter um so not in peak summer um but from a mental point of view I am very lucky that I have an outlook on life that is very much like I don't want to waste my life being unhappy and so I'm going to find joy in every moment that I can and I'm very grateful that I have this job and that I can have such an impact on someone's day and they will remember me they'll remember me for the rest of their life because I was part of such an important day and I think that carried me through in the end it ended up it sounds really cheesy but it did actually save me um I Mm. thought it'd be something that I wouldn't be able to cope with but actually in the end it was the best distraction ever um and yeah I'm actually really really grateful and I did actually set up another business um sort of when COVID happened that was obviously a matter I assume that when you speak to these people your guest speakers on the podcast I imagine COVID will come up as a big pear-shaped moment for most people business owners especially um but during that time I was able to set up an online business where I could again start analyzing and processing that nurturing energy and start putting it into other things so I set up an educational platform for hair and makeup artists during that time so it's allowed me to explore other avenues that I wouldn't have necessarily explored had the fertility journey worked out as I had hoped you know Mm. you just have to make the best of things sometimes and I think having coming from a place of gratitude and looking what you already looking at what you already have in your life is something that is so so powerful and I've been able to focus on that instead of dwelling on the things that may have held me back and um, yeah I'm grateful for all the mindset work that I've been doing over the past couple of years really because it it's been it's been amazing it's allowed me to still keep showing up for the people who I'm essentially trying to show up for i.e all of my clients that book me for my hair and makeup services so yeah some would see your success and think that it just happens overnight and like you said you've been doing this for 10 years and you've got your own life you've got your business and then you've got things that are feeding into it and people won't necessarily see what goes on behind the scenes what would your advice be to someone that is either starting out in the industry or you know is still trying to just keep pushing or just going out into business on their own what would be your advice basically the best advice I can give is just embracing showing up as your most authentic self for a very long time I was trying to show up as somebody else, as someone um, who I'd seen within the hair and makeup artist uh, world who was formal and seemingly had their shit together. Um, I tried to show up as someone that I wasn't for a long time because I thought that that's how you should show up. And the moment I just started being myself, some people thought it was unprofessional. I disagree. I feel like I've been able to grow my business in a way that feels right for me and feels right for my clients because I've shown up exactly as I am. Um, Mm. And it's not a case of airing my dirty laundry. It is literally a case of, I'm going to overshare anyway when you meet me in person. So I'm going to show up like that on social media or any marketing platform because you're going to get to know me. You're going to get to see that I'm human. And that's allowed my business to grow because I've just opened up and allowed people to connect with me and I genuinely believe that the majority of my clients book me because they like the energy 
they are booking me because of my hair and makeup skills, I hope. <laughs> um, but they're also booking me because they connect with me and they're going to feel comfortable having me there on their wedding day. Um, and that's something that, you know, you can't underestimate really. You know, there are hundreds of thousands of hair and makeup artists. How on earth am I meant to stand out if I'm just doing what everyone else is doing? There is no one else that is me. So I'm going to show up as myself and allow that to you know, carry my business through. And that's exactly what's happened. But you're absolutely right. It's never an overnight success. It's hard graft. It takes a while to identify who you are. It Mm -hmm. takes a while to, especially when things go wrong, you know, I had to sort of rethink my entire existence, really. Um, And then, you know, take time to identify your business and what you actually want from it. Um, So I think it's all about digging deep, learning who you are, thinking about how you want to show up in the most authentic way that you can and just going for it and being brave and putting yourself out there and seeing what happens. I think nine times out of 10, the more you show up as yourself, the more likely you're going to be successful because all humans want is to connect with people. And if you can allow them to do that, you're halfway there. Yeah. Um, I relate to that even from like the Instagram stuff that I do because as soon as I share something about my life or I'm a bit vulnerable, um, it those posts are the ones that do really well. Like if I'm just stood there in like a nice outfit with no context behind the outfit, like if I said, you know, oh, I feel really, I like I really struggled to get into this dress, but. Uh, because I was worried about how I'd look, but I I did it. That will still do well. But yeah, it's kind of when I really am vulnerable and show what's going on behind the scenes that actually I grow. So and all we want is connection, and we're all naturally nosy by nature. You know, yeah. we're all nosy by nature. So allow people to connect with you. It doesn't mean you have to like tell them everything, your deepest darkest secrets, but allow people to get an insight into who you are outside of just being a business owner you know put a, a you know a human experience onto it and just allow people to connect with you right next question you encourage natural beauty we've already touched on that and we unfortunately live in a world that suppresses that and you've already touched on authenticity that's what pear shaped is all about showing up as your authentic self um, how do you encourage your brides to trust the process and feel confident without loads of makeup? I know they're coming to you for a reason, but I guess even on that's such a big day and you know you're going to be photographed, you haven't got the filters. How do you how do you help them? Yeah, I, mean, I won't lie to you. It's been a friggin' struggle because of filters, because of the unrealistic expectation of what a hair and makeup artist can do. Um, you know, you type in natural makeup on Pinterest and what actually comes up isn't natural at all. Um, so I make it my mission to show up without makeup on my story so people can see what I actually look like and feel mm. comfortable with the fact that I can show up without makeup or I can show up looking natural. Hopefully you can too. Um, I, you know, I talk about products that are really good for helping your skin to to look better so that you don't have to wear as much foundation. Um, I make it really, really apparent that whatever I put out there is filter-free. I talk about the benefits of just embracing natural hair and makeup. The fact that, you know, so many people say to me, but there's, I'm going to be photographed. Don't I need to wear more more makeup for, for photographs? Whoever come up with that is an absolute liar. I mean, I literally work in fashion and commercial where all my models are getting photographed all the time. They don't need more makeup if you're getting photographed. It's, it's The only time that would ever be relevant is if your photographer is using flash photography. And honestly... Most photographers, especially wedding photographers, they're going to be relying on natural light. They're not going to, you're not in a studio environment, you know, it's, it's a myth. So, and actually, typically speaking, another thing that people come to me and say is, well, it's got to last all day. Well, top tip guys, if you wear, if you cake on loads of makeup and loads of foundation, you're more likely to have your skin try and basically it slides off 
the more you put on, the more your skin almost rejects the product because it's like, ugh, I need to breathe. Like, what is this? It produces more oil, more sebum, and it actually makes your uh, foundation not last as long. You're much better to apply everything in really thin layers so that it, it goes onto your skin. Your skin can still breathe. There's no reaction to the makeup. It's just part of your skin. Um, and actually, I find that over the years of doing both glamorous makeup and natural makeup statistically speaking the natural makeup is what lasts longer anyway um mm. it's just about getting a good skincare routine um so that you feel comfortable in your own skin and obviously you know as a makeup artist even though I specialize in natural makeup I'm all for going along with what feels most comfortable for my clients so if they want to wear Estee Lauder double wear which is a full coverage foundation so be it but I'll also show them what it looks like with less and mm. allow them to make that decision. So it's about easing people in, um, discussing their best features and talking about enhancing them instead of talking about changing their face or covering things up. Let's focus on the positives and how we can enhance your best features so that you learn to love yourself as you are instead of trying to change them and falling into that really negative trap and mindset of thinking that you've got to look a certain way to be beautiful which is absolutely rubbish I'm gonna move on now to the fertility stuff um I know that you've been really open about it and I just wanted to ask about your journey really and what's been going on I can more than like happily talk about that is absolutely fine so um we've been on a fertility journey for around five years that's when we first started the journey to trying to become parents um it become quite clear very soon after trying that we were going to have some issues uh, partly because of my husband's medical background um so we always knew that we'd have some malfactor issues which isn't something that's widely spoken about because often men don't want to open up about malfactor issues because it can feel like their masculinity has been, you know, shot, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but we knew that we might have some difficulty there because of previous medical history that um, had arisen. And uh, so we decided to get tested around, you know, six months into trying. And lo and behold, it came up with some issues, both with my husband and with myself, um, I didn't realize at the time, but I have endometriosis, which is something that's quite complicated, but I'm sure your listeners would have heard the word floating around. It's essentially when, uh, the lining of your womb grows out of the, the place it should, and it can attach yourself to other organs, which sounds absolutely horrific. Um, and it can be quite awful. I didn't realize I actually had that until a bit later down the line, but, um, we had a round of IVF and it worked and we were really excited and we couldn't believe our luck. And then unfortunately, about six and a half weeks in, I started to get really severe cramping. I knew that something wasn't right. I started to bleed and we got to the hospital and they basically did uh, a scan and they, well, the, the words that she said to me were, your womb is empty. So... That was oh. awful. The, you know, the whole experience was so cold, so isolating, which is partly why I wanted to open up about this journey because I just don't feel that anybody should be spoken to or treated in that way when you're going through something so traumatic. Yeah. Um, so they found the embryo that, you know, we didn't, we, we paid for IVF. It wasn't funded here in Essex. So to find out that it hadn't worked that we'd essentially paid for me to have an ectopic pregnancy. So that's when the embryo embeds itself in it uh, outside of the womb. So mine was in my fallopian tube. Um, luckily, I didn't have to have an operation to um, remove the embryo. It passed on its that own. That can be quite dangerous. As it's life-threatening. People can die from having yeah. an ectopic pregnancy or you can lose your tubes or your ovaries. You know, silver lining was that the miscarriage happened naturally and my tubes were fine. You know, it was scarring. It wasn't nice. I was in a lot of pain for days whilst going through the miscarriage. And obviously mentally it was awful because 
I just paid to have a miscarriage basically um, and it wasn't very nice and then we tried again about four months later with another embryo um, and it didn't take so we didn't get a positive pregnancy test at all um, and then we had another round so this would be our third round of IVF with two egg collections so what that basically means is we weren't able to produce lots of embryos so sometimes when people have IVF they might um, get you know six to ten or even more embryos so that means that they can keep trying and doing what is called a frozen cycle where you don't have to have the egg collection where they keep having to take the eggs out of me to artificially inseminate them with the sperm but because we only got two embryos from our first round it meant I then had to go and have another egg collection so that they could get some more right. sperm to create more embryos so two egg collections then we had a third round of IVF and it worked and we were so excited we couldn't believe our luck that it happened obviously I was very nervous because I hadn't had a positive experience uh, of things working out in that department and then unfortunately at seven weeks I started to bleed and um, I had another miscarriage and it was just that that one broke me that was back in March this year so after that I said to my husband I need a break uh, I'm physically and mentally broken I, I just you know we've we've spent a lot of money I've given up I guess so much mental brain power to becoming a mum that I've forgotten who I am. I've lost, yeah. I've lost who I am. I don't know what I'm doing, and I just feel so drained. Um, and so I spent the last, well, I guess it's been like six months or so now. I don't, I can't, I don't know. Where am I? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, yeah. November. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. yeah. So I've spent the last, you know, six or seven months just working on myself and just trying to figure out who I am outside of fertility and quite honestly it's been the most eye-opening spiritual experiences I've ever had and in a weird way the contrast of what's happened has been it's both a blessing and a curse obviously it's horrible to go through that fertility journey it's it's ongoing I don't know if we'll ever try again I honestly don't know what's going to happen um but the difference is this time is I've surrendered and I'm saying do you know what my life is still amazing. I am still whole. I am still a woman, even if I can't have a child. We still have a happy marriage. We can look at alternatives if that's what we decide to do. But right now, all that's important to me is that we are happy and we are healthy. Um, yeah. And we can't take that for granted. Um, so I'm in a much better space mentally. I set up a different Instagram account. <laughs> How many Instagram accounts does one girl need? I've literally got like six. Um, but I set up another Instagram account, which was really good for me just to um, have an outlet for my emotions, raise awareness and, you know, still show that there's joy in life, even when you're going through a really awful time. And that's been really great as well. Um so yeah, it's it's been a journey, a, a real ro roller coaster. But you know, life is life is a roller coaster. You know, this like is, Ronan Keaton said, life is a roller coaster. <laughs> Good old Ronan, hey, what's he up to these days? I miss that guy. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but it is. It's a roller coaster, and everyone will have their Achilles heel. You know, maybe yeah. someone is in really poor health, or they've lost someone dear to them, or you know, whatever it is, everyone's going to have their Achilles heel. And our Achilles heel right now is infertility. And it friggin' sucks. And I won't beat around the bush and say, oh, yeah, I'm all, I'm over it. And it's fine. It still sucks. And I can still dwell on it sometimes. But you know, the positives in my life outweigh the negatives. And now I'm just focusing on my business. I'm focusing on trying to help other people you know, embrace that nurturing energy that I have that I would have put into being, by the way, a friggin' amazing mum. <laughs> but if I can't do that right now, I'm just going to be a friggin' amazing friend, wife, business owner. You know, there's still amazing things that I can do with my life and I plan on exploring all of them. We're not talking to you as like a 45-year-old. We're talking to you as a 31-year-old. So, you know, right now might not be the right time and I know that's really hard to process and it's really difficult for someone just to throw that out at you but yeah it's kind of like maybe it's just not meant to happen yet and I know that's really it's a bitter pill to swallow 
it's just it maybe it's not meant to be yet it feels like you I don't get personally offended by it because I'm quite a spiritual person and I yeah. I do believe that I do believe I that too that's why I say yeah those things because I do trust the process I, I do, do too. believe in the right timing but yeah please go ahead yeah no me. I'm I'm exactly yeah. the same as you Sophie I I fully believe that had this experience have not happened to me all of this other amazing stuff that has come to light for me during this process wouldn't have happened mm. and you know I believe that your experiences even the negative ones can lead to really amazing things but some people will get triggered by that comment so people within the fertility industry industry people within the fertility community I should say it's not an industry although it pretty much is actually they make yeah. a lot of money from infertile yeah. people like me um but a lot of people will get triggered by the fact that you're still young a lot of people will get triggered by the sentence that maybe it wasn't meant to be um because it doesn't it grazes over it kind of puts your feelings like oh it's fine you know your feelings don't count whereas it's kind of like no, you, you're allowed to feel rubbish about this. You're right. You know, don't try and um, fix the situation to try and make someone feel better. Just simply reply with, you know what, that that does suck. And I really hope that you get what you're after. And, you know, if you need to talk, I'm here. Yeah. No, you know, it's, a, it's really good advice because I think particularly like I'm not at that stage of my life. So I can't really relate because... I, don't, I have no idea what's going to happen. So I am just kind of like, I think it is easy to throw those things out because you think you're helping. But so, also yeah, that's the natural thing to say, isn't it? Like, you yeah. know, you, you, you're trying to comfort somebody in a time of trauma. And I yeah. would say the same thing. But what I've learned from this, and particularly from being heavily involved in the fertility community, is that all people need to hear is that you acknowledge that that yeah. is so rubbish and so difficult and I'm here if you need me. I'm not going to try and, um, like, it's called toxic positivity, essentially, you know. Sometimes that's actually not what we need and sometimes mm. you just need to hear that, you know what, that's rubbish and you're yeah. doing a great job and I hope it works out for you, but if it doesn't, I really hope that you can, you know, explore other amazing things in your life. And I think... I wanted to raise that because I, by by no means telling you off. I just think if no, no, no. If your listeners are hearing this, yeah, I think you know if they've got a friend even that's going through that journey, don't always feel the need to try and fix things. You know, I think sometimes things can't be fixed. So, quite a lot of the time, I would get people comment with saying things like, "I know someone that did this, and then they stopped trying, or they relaxed, and then it happened." And I'm like, "If I had a pound for every time I heard that story, I'd be rich." I don't need, I don't need to hear those miracle stories because I might not get my miracle, and that makes me feel less of a person because I, I never got that. Why didn't I get that? You know. So sometimes we don't need to fix things. Sometimes we just need to acknowledge that it's rubbish. What can I do to help? what's going to help you in this time and that's the best way to respond to someone I think going through any hardship actually yeah no it's it's great advice it's brilliant advice because you're right I think in that moment especially I think as British people we're quite like we get a bit uncomfortable about these conversations and it's very much like oh well you know just keep going like and it's a yeah I think it is a thing and you're right we all do it and I'm sure there's plenty of subjects where we just try and skim over things because we think we're comforting people by saying you know maybe next you know it wasn't meant to be and trying to find these like amazing metaphors when actually let's all just acknowledge that's crap and yeah I hope you're all right and if you're not I'm here if you need me because it it can probably be related to loads of things like grief in general you know grief even even something that isn't as important as this is a job like if you're applying to you like a job that you really 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 want and you think I'm perfect for that role and you don't get it and someone's just like oh well it wasn't meant to be get along and you're like is it that mindset when you've just been rejected in whatever form it's been in sometimes you don't want to hear that sometimes you're like just dwell on this with me for a second because this is yeah. this is rubbish isn't it it's the same as someone's going for a breakup I think when someone's yeah. like 
don't worry, he wasn't the one, like someone better will come along. It's again, it's that toxic positivity where actually all I need someone to say is, you know what, that is rubbish. I'm, I'm here for you if you need me. And mm. I hope things work out. But in, in until then, I'm here. Yeah. And I think we can use that, all of us. Great advice. I feel like social media probably really doesn't help in that moment where you are going through this difficult time and you log on to Instagram and Facebook and all the other social media apps that are out there and it's literally I think also when you're when you're not wanting to see those things they seem to pop up more like because you're noticing them so it's just how did you deal with that because a lot of your business is online and you do a lot of marketing behind the scenes and stuff like that so yeah how did you cope it's triggering you know I think it's the same as if you've lost a family member and then it's you know say you lost your your mum and then everyone's posting Mother's Day posts and you know that's going to be super triggering for somebody and it's the same with me whenever I saw a fertility whenever I saw a pregnancy announcement sorry I would literally I, my, my stomach, the anxiety, the grief that I felt was almost unbearable. Um, so I had to set really healthy boundaries and just say to myself, you know what? I'm at that age where this is happening a lot mm. and I can't hide away from this because the more I try and, and hide from it, the harder it is going to be for me to deal with it. So I just would have to say to myself that this is their life and good for them. I hope that one day I can have that experience. But at the moment, I'm not there. I'm sure they've got things going on in their life. Maybe they've got money troubles. Maybe they've lost a family member. Maybe, you know, everyone has something going on behind the scenes. And I had to remind myself that everything that we see on social media is a highlight reel. And I can't relate to I can't always relate to that because life isn't always brilliant. Life is hard. And I think it's being honest with yourself and having a bit of a, a, a chat with yourself to be like, look, don't get too caught up in everyone else's happiness when you know that there's going to be things going on behind the scenes for them as well. And things that you post may be triggering for them at times. And, you know, there could be other hair and makeup artists looking at my business going, oh, she's just done this and she's done that and I haven't done this. You know, we have to be so disciplined with my with ourselves as as humans on social media to use social media in a way that's healthy. And if you find that you're constantly getting upset, I just had to unfollow people that had just got pregnant because I didn't want to keep seeing their bump photos. I don't want to see you know, little Sienna's first laugh or whatever, because it's too much for me. So I had to unfollow if it felt too much. It's actually, I'm now in a much better mindset. So actually, I'm not as triggered by that. Um, But learning to know what makes you, you know, feel anxious or triggered and doing what feels right for you. If you have to unfollow people or you have to take a step away for a bit, then do what you need to do. Um, but also realize that it's just a highlight reel you know if we had more people being open and honest on social media I think it'd be a lot easier to to navigate actually do you think you have found it less triggering because you're you've taken that step back now you've kind of just gone look I need a break I think so yeah I think if I hadn't taken a break and tried to connect with everything that's good in my life and focus on that for a bit I would just end up in a in a rabbit hole I would be really bitter and this happens you know when you're going for a bad time all you can focus on is the negatives because when you've yeah. had a tough time how it's it takes so much work and so much discipline to try and focus on the things that are good in your life um but I've spent a long time trying to do that over the last couple of years um because I don't want to waste my life you know things aren't always going to work out for me and that's that's life and I think trying to be realistic with myself and um you know set boundaries don't don't just mindlessly scroll don't just you know assume that everyone's getting everything they want all the time and I'm not and play hard done by taking that step back to reconnect with myself and know what I want because I think sometimes when we're going through social media 
will see something and go, oh, that looks good. I wish I had that. When you actually look at the bare bones of it, do you actually really want that? Or do you just think you want it because you've seen someone else doing it? So I think taking that time to step back, connect with yourself, think about what it is that you actually want, um, realise that social media is often a highlight reel, helps you to use it in a way that is a safer, healthier way, especially as a business owner. We spend a lot of time on social media. Um, So I think, yeah, having having that, that time to step away, get more in aligned with the goals that I want and connect with myself and and focus on the things that make me happy not looking at social media first thing in the morning was an absolute godsend not checking it until I'm up and ready to start my day um that's been really really helpful and just making sure that I'm using it for the good not for Mm -hmm. the negative so yeah it's tough though isn't it to get that balance we all fall down that rabbit hole sometimes and I think 100% not blaming ourselves if that happens as well is also important we're all going to waste hours mindlessly scrolling wishing we were doing things that we actually don't really care about um that's just what social media does to us unfortunately but recognizing it and being aware of it is something that's just as important I think it helps you to make better decisions on how to use it properly you're spot on um I know that spirituality isn't for everybody, um, but has that really helped with your positivity? Like you, you come across as a positive person. I described you as a ray of sunshine. Is that why you have? I try to be. Yeah. Is that is that, has that played a part in your positivity? If I'm being really honest, and if we want to go really deep, I think that I'm a natural entertainer. I don't like showing weakness. Um, so putting on a brave face, putting on a show, pretending that everything is okay has almost been my co- coping mechanism throughout my entire life. Um, when things get tough, I just make a joke of it. And actually, Same. sometimes it, it actually has been brilliant because I can almost distract myself and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I, I feel like I can get over things quite quickly because I'm able to just try and pretend that everything's okay. And I actually think that does come down to a mindset thing, you know, instead of dwelling on it, I just try and turn it into a bit of a joke. It helps me to cope. Um, As long as I'm still acknowledging my pain and taking time out to acknowledge that and try and work through it and process it. Um, But in the meantime, just trying to focus on, you know, on the good things in my life. Absolutely. I think the spiritual side of things has really helped me to understand myself on a deeper level, heal much quicker. So I don't dwell on things as much as I used to. I used to be quite a and anxious, oh, I am still quite anxious as a person, I think, anyway, but um, I certainly don't dwell on things. I'm not as, uh, I would get quite moody. Not that anyone would see that, obviously, on social media because it's a highlight reel, but those people around me, ever since I've been doing this work, this spiritual work, and I do, um, if anyone wants to look into it a bit more, I do uh, what's called a miracle morning. Um, there's a book called The Miracle Morning. I think it's by, I've forgotten the name. If you look up The Miracle Morning book, everyone should buy it. It's changed my life. I know I probably shouldn't be doing like shameless promotion on here, but if it helps no, you, if yeah. it helps, if it helps you in the way that it's helped me, then it's absolutely worth it. It's about starting your day with journaling, you know, focusing on the good in your life, being grateful, um, Starting your day like that is so powerful and it's helped me to overcome so many of the difficulties in my life so far. Um, I absolutely, even if you're not into woo-woo stuff, I think there's a science behind having a positive mindset and I honestly think it's, it's so powerful. So if anyone's listening to this and you're in a dark space right now, really try your best to get your hands on this book, try and wake up, try and think of five positive things in your life and just focus on it every time you feel rubbish, become aware of your thoughts because your thoughts are like, your thoughts and your words are like spells, you know, what you say has a massive impact on, on how you operate as a person, if you're constantly spitting out negative stuff and thinking negative things, you will only notice negative things and your energy will be off, um, So I just think trying to focus on the positives, uh, tapping into that kind of gratitude and trying to have a good time, embrace life, helps me to be not only a better person, but a better business owner because I can bring that energy to all my clients as well. So absolutely, I think spirituality is 
is something that's really, really helped me. And I, I encourage everybody to try and do some sort of meditation or, or something that allows you to connect with yourself. Because in this day and age, we can get lost so easily amongst technology. No one takes time for themselves. Everyone's rushing all the time. Everyone's comparing themselves to everyone else. That they, they get lost. They don't know who they yeah. are anymore. And I think if you can just take a moment to bring it back and, and get connected with yourself and get realigned with who you are and actually what you want, magic happens, you know? I know we've really digressed. Like, I'm a hair and makeup artist, but I am super into all that kind of stuff. And, and my clients know that. Occasionally, I'll pull a couple of tarot cards from my clients, you know? Who am I? Am I a witch? Am I a makeup artist? I don't know. I'm an infertile one at the moment. <laughs> if only I could cast a spell to help my womb grow a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you might chat to me in a couple of years time and you know maybe that spell will work one day but yeah it you know I it's a massive part of me and um you know my fertility journey my spirituality it's, it's part of who I am and I think I that's helped my business to be what it is as well so I absolutely have no problem talking about it I just want to quickly say like thank you for being so open about all of your journey because there are so many people that I feel could be going through this behind closed doors, would feel embarrassed about it. Like you mentioned, particularly as women, it's kind of, we're expected to just be able to do it. And um, there will be women out there that are struggling on their own and not sharing what's going on. Um, Statistically, one in eight people will have fertility issues and one in four will have a miscarriage. So there will absolutely be someone listening to this that can relate. And I really hope that this helps them in some way. That's, yeah. you know, what I couldn't ask for more, really. And there might be people that haven't experienced this, but know someone that has and will hopefully be able to give the support that they, you know, that they know that they can after listening to this podcast. So um, hopefully we're just going to make everyone feel friggin' amazing. Yeah. Exactly. And um, the last thing I'm going to ask you is your favourite products. Obviously, you have your key core kit like that you just love. Um, so, yeah, please talk to us about your favourite products. Yeah, uh, it, that leads on nicely from what we we're just talking about, because obviously you want people to feel good when, when they're listening to this. So from a spiritual aspect... Hopefully they're going to feel really good and supported. But also from a physical appearance aspect, let's help you to feel good. So um, as a hair and makeup artist, I'm super minimal, actually. My kit is large, but the products that I use, I pretty much use five to ten products, which everyone's always really surprised by. But it's because I believe in the art of keeping things simple. And because I like really clean, fresh skin, I have quite, um, most of the products I'm going to quickly talk about are, I guess, skincare related. So mm -hmm. one of the first products I use on most of my clients is the Nip and Fab uh, Salicylic Fix Pads. Now, these are really, really good for prepping the skin. I would make a note if you have any allergy to ibuprofen or you have sensitive skin, don't use these because they are a resurfacer. So it helps if you struggle with like, when you put on makeup, sometimes it can sit in areas that it shouldn't. So for me personally, if I've got any dryness around my eyebrows, around my nose, the foundation just looks gross. It won't ever sit nicely because my skin surface isn't great. So these help to resurface the skin it's just a little pad you wipe it over the skin you feel a little bit of tingling that's the salicylic acid penetrating the skin and it just takes off that dead dull layer of skin and leaves you with a really fresh clean glowing base which is then perfect to put on your moisturizer um, or your foundation and whatever else you want to add on your skin after that so I, I use these on most clients I obviously check First of all, if they've got any allergies and if they tell me they've got super sensitive skin, I would maybe just look at using just a micellar water. And then funnily enough, you can buy, um, instead of just using a cotton pad, I have reusable uh, like makeup pads. They're actually nursing pads. So they actually go on your nipples. Okay. <laughs> you get them from Amazon, but they've got a slight bit of texture. So when you take your makeup off or you prep your skin with micellar water, the texture of the pad is almost like a flannel. So it kind of 
acts as a gentle exfoliator anyway. Um, so that's where I always start, with a bit of resurfacing, a bit of exfoliation. So they're really, really good. Then, one of my hero products is the Glossier Future Dew. If you follow me on Not Your Average Bride, you'll hear me talk about this all the time. I'm, I'm sure people are sick to death of hearing me talk about it. This I got product, it because, because of you. Of you. Yeah. <laughs> this product just changed my life, basically. It is an oil serum hybrid. So if you like glowing skin, this is going to be your best friend. You would add this before your foundation. You can add it to your foundation to give a really glowy finish. If you've got a heavy coverage foundation that feels too heavy, you could add a small drop of this, mix it in and create a really lovely dewy foundation. Um, you can also add a little bit as a highlight at the end of applying your makeup. Um, I'm really into multi-use, multi-purpose products, things that I can, you know, things that double up. So this works as skincare, but it can also work as a highlighter at the end as well. So Grossier Future Drew, absolute kit staple for me. Um, I'm sure people will want to know about foundations. The one that I use on most of my brides is the It Cosmetics CC Cream. Um, this is a colour correcting full coverage cream. It's hydrating um, and anti-aging. It's got SPF 50. You don't need very much of this because it's a full coverage cream. So I'll literally use one or two pumps and just start in the centre of the face and blend outwards. It photographs like an absolute dream and you're protected if you're getting married outside your skin's not only going to be protected it's going to look friggin fantastic um, so that's my go-to foundation at the moment for my brides uh, I've only got a couple more uh, one of my most used blushes is by nude sticks it is the shade in the nude this Blusher is actually a lip and cheek product, so again, it can double up, which I just love, because then you get that nice kind of balance and consistency. I use this on the cheeks. It's a cream-based product, so it looks nice and natural on the skin. It looks like a nice natural flush. Um, you can add a tiny little bit to the eyelids as well, um, and then you can add it to the lips, and it's just one of those tones that just looks beautiful on all skin tones. So from the fairest of skins, the deepest of skin tones, it is just beautiful tone. A beautiful tone, a beautiful texture. So I pretty much use this on all my clients. Finally, one of my go-to products at the moment, since fluffy brows and laminated brows are really in, brows can really help with um, adding so much structure to someone's face without us having to pencil them in. You know, if you can just get a product like this, it's the Anastasia Beverly Hills Brow Freeze. You just apply a little bit on a clear, like, mascara one. So you, they're called a spoolie if you ever wanted to buy some. You can buy a pack of disposable spoolies or mascara ones. And you just run that through the eyebrow hairs and it, it brushes them up and sets them. It gives the face an absolute lift. It grooms the eyebrows. It sets them in place. And then you can fill in any gaps. Because what you'll find is when you use this on your eyebrows, if you've got any gaps, um, it will highlight that because obviously it's moving all the brows in one direction. Um, so, But it makes it really easy to see where the gaps are. Um, so I use this to create that really nice fluffy editorial brow style uh, look um, so this has been an absolute kit staple um, if you don't want to use this sometimes people use um, it's actually a hair product it's called glued by got to be it's a little gel it's pretty much that but specifically made for eyebrows and it just helps to keep the eyebrows in place um, which is something you know I'm sure people listening to this would have heard of laminated brows where it just helps the brows to look thicker and fuller. It basically does that, but you can do it yourself at home. So absolute fan of that. And one of my go-to mascaras for my brides is the Bobbi Brown No Smudge Mascara. It does exactly as it says on the tin. It does not budge. So it is perfect for all of my emotional teary-eyed <laughs> brides. I know that nothing's going to move when I've used this. So... Yeah, they're, they're some of my kit staples, but I mean, if you want to, if anyone's got any questions and you're like, what can I do? What makeup should I wear? Just pop into my DMs and I'll, I'm always more than happy to recommend products where I can. You've made me spend a lot of money. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> that just shows that you know what you're talking about because I'm not a beauty, like I, I am fascinated by beauty 
but I've always been more drawn to clothes. So I, it's only really in my late 20s that I've kind of been like, no, I need to start looking after my skin. I need to start investing in decent products. I think the way that I work is you may spend £30 on, you know, a foundation and that will seem a lot if you're used to buying like the Rimmel or Maybelline one. But you're not going to have 30 products worth of £30 items it's just going to be you might have one big spend that's going to level up your makeup game so much that that's all you're going to spend whereas sometimes people buy loads of little products from like you know drugstore not have any idea what they're doing with them waste money and then you know you don't really know what you're doing with it so Mm -hmm. at least when I recommend things I they're tried and tested we keep things really really simple really easy for you to digest and you have a couple of spenny items on the odd occasion, but they're going to make such a difference to everything that you're going to be like, this is so worth it. Thank you so much for joining me and being so open, so honest and just a joy. Um, I really appreciate you giving me this time. Thank you so much for having me. I really hope it's been insightful and that it's helped your listeners. And um, yeah, I really feel privileged that you've asked me to be included on this so thank you very much for having me thank you so much for listening really hope you enjoyed it you can listen wherever you find your podcasts and you can also find us on instagram and tiktok at pear shake podcast see you next time (laughs) 